Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Are you all getting used to having all that beautiful music all the time? This is, uh, this is a real treat for me. God really spoke to me through this message, so I was really thrilled that uh, for where I'm at in my life, Tim asked me, you know, to teach it. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but we're going to kind of look at Christmas maybe in a bit different way. Pull out your notes, if you will. You're going to need them. Uh, we're going to do a little Bible study in the process. And uh, as we do, let me just ask you this question. Just, and, and please don't go with all the religious answers. I mean, when the word Christmas just comes to your mind, someone says Christmas, just what, what comes to your mind? Anything and everything. Christ, food, families, food, um, Santa, celebration, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Hallmark movies are finally getting from July to actual Christmas, um, along with all the other stations that have copied that. Red suits, getting gifts, giving gifts, shopping. Christmas expanded, Black Friday, now Black Friday week, Cyber Monday, pressure, stress, office parties. What am I gonna get? What are you gonna give? What are you gonna do? I mean, Christmas just has so many, many layers, lights, trees, decorations, driving around, watching the lights, family conflict. Oh, I better get back to the positive, right? Here's, here's what I want you to get. When we think of Christmas, there's been frame after frame that keeps adding to it. Do you realize that until the fourth century, the, the early church never had any major celebration for the birth of Christ? It was a huge doctrine. It was a very important thing. Uh, it really grew out of a lot of pagan festivals in terms of new life and a new year. And the church realized that, wow, this is a take advantage of it. Early on, it was the fourth century Roman Catholic church said Christmas literally comes from the mass of Christ. It's a celebration of what we would call the Lord's Supper or communion, his, his life, death and resurrection. And then and as, over the years, it, it began to spread and change and things were added. Here's the picture I want you to get. Imagine, okay? Imagine like I've got a three foot by three foot picture and imagine this picture is the most beautiful, awesome, breathtaking picture that has ever been created. When a person looks at this picture, you're in awe, your jaw drops, you're overwhelmed by it, you can't even take it in. And then someone says, you know, it's such a good picture, let's put a frame around it because frames are, right? They're supposed to give attention to that picture. And then someone else says, let's put another frame and another frame and another frame and another frame. And then over a few hundred years, frame after frame after frame after frame, the, the picture that was so magnificent gets lost in all the frames. The Dutch we're really into giving gifts. So that became a part of it. The British were about Christmas trees. That became a part of it. The culture over and over, we've put hundreds of frames around Christmas so that now it's a magical time of year. It's a fun time, it's a family time, it's a festive time and all the other things. By the way, none of them necessarily are bad, but they obscure. They obscure what it's really all about. And what I want to do, by the grace of God in our time together, is let you know the enemy has had a very, very subtle tactic to reframe reality. In uh, the Apostle Paul's final letter, he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he lets him know that, you know, in the last days, and we're living in those, Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, ungrateful, unholy, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, haters of parents, arrogant. And then he ends it with this, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
believing the right things, having the celebrations, intellectually agreeing with this, but there's no power. And what I want to suggest is that's what's happened with Christmas. Well, we can go to the winter festival, we can eat good food, we can hope the Warriors finally win a game on Christmas Day, you know? Uh, we can be nice to people, we can do a few nice things. It's a celebration, people seem to be a little bit nicer, we'll drive maybe a little bit nicer when people cut us off, but we can lose the power. If you had no concept of Christmas that's been frame after frame after frame after frame, the words around Christmas would be miracle, supernatural, power, old women that have babies, God taking on human flesh, rescue, hundreds of years of waiting. The biggest miracle in human history is this. It's bigger than the Big Bang. In a moment, God spoke and the world came into existence. But in another moment, he entered human history miraculously through an unlikely person and an unlikely place in a way that literally changed the whole world. That's what we've lost. We don't have expectations of miracles. We can hold to a form of Christmas, but don't expect God to do anything big or miraculous in our life or anyone else's. Uh, you'll notice in your notes, I put a fresh look at a familiar story. And here's, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna give it my best shot. I wanted you to look at the actual text, the passages, not just lean and, and listen to a message. Because I think it's hard to break through all those frames. Here's the context. Galatians 4.4 says there was a, this is a global context. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. That word fullness, literally when the world was pregnant, when there was a unique moment in history, all of the prophecies from all the way back in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world and there was a promise that the serpent's head would be crushed and he would bruise the heel of the deliverer, from all the way from this forerunner Elijah that we learned about last week, John the Baptist, who's now going to return the hearts of fathers to children and children to their fathers. All of this is happening in a way that God has orchestrated sovereignly. For the first time ever, there's peace so people can travel. There's roads so they can go anywhere in the Romans empire. They all speak a common trade language in Koine Greek. There has been a uh, a, a dispersion of the Jews. So there's synagogues all over the Roman empire. And in the midst of it, it's dark, it's cruel, it's ungodly, it's immoral. Philosophies, religion, Judaism is bankrupt. People are desperate and people are hopeless. And that's when we're open. And that's when it says Christ came. And then in Isaiah 61, it says he wouldn't just be some religion. There was going to be a person who's going to solve things. He's going to set people free. The blind are going to see. The lame are going to walk. The good news is going to be preached. He's going to take the kingdom of mankind, which is me, 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 mine, 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 get, 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 power, power, power. As Tornby said, the, the world's history could be defined in one word, wars. From earliest times till today, over power and land and politics and under the guise of ideology and religion, wars, 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 but they're not just around the world. Wars in families, neighborhoods, marriages, right? And it's all about this kingdom of the way we think about life. What will satisfy me if I get, if I have, if I control. And he came to flip all that around and supernaturally show us there's power free to give free to love, free to forgive, free to experience the God who made you and not be separated any longer. That's what Christmas is all about. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to actually get you in the passage. Are you ready? The immediate context is there is a woman who is quite aged, who's now six months pregnant. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, so apparently into her home, 
he said to her, greetings, favored one. Good news, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering the kind of salutation that it was. Now, the reason I wanna dive into this is we've romanticized this whole story. You know, we've seen movies, uh, we've seen nativity scenes and the Mary that we have in our mind is this beautiful young woman, something over her head. There's violins playing in the background and the music swells, the light is coming down. She's absolutely beautiful. She is so glad that she has been chosen by the Lord. And it's, you know, that ain't how it happened. She's a teenage girl from a donkey town that's despised by other Jews. It's a place where there's a, there's a Roman barracks. And so it's filled with vice and prostitution and evil. And that's why they said, no good thing can come out of Nazareth. It's, it's an angel, not just an angel, it's Gabriel sent directly from God. And all we know at this point, we'll learn more in our next time together, is that Joseph has royal lineage from the house of David. So he's in the line, the Messiah is gonna come that way. And you've got a girl that's at max 15 to 16 years old, who is poor, who has a godly heritage, right? Her aunt and uncle, uncle's a priest. And God doesn't see the way we see. I don't know that she was necessarily good looking. We know that she was very, very poor. We know she's from a bad side of town, but there was something about her heart. There was something about her devotion. There was something about her openness that we'll see that God said, I'm with you. I have a plan. I wanna use you. So I want you, can we, can we get out of the romantic notion? In fact, have you noticed what we call it now? The Christmas story. Oh, that sounds so sweet. It's not a story. That sounds like a myth, like a metaphor. That sounds like, oh, here's a story. We, we tell these little stories and there's a little truth in this story. And the, here's a little story about a baby. And this is kind of how it happens. And we read the little books to our children and it becomes a story. It's not a fairy tale. It's a tale of fulfillment. It's not a metaphor, it's a actual moment in human history where God breaks through, where he says, I'm gonna burst through and this will be a new creation that I'm gonna bring hope. This is about forgiveness. This is about rescue. This is the greatest special operation that has ever occurred in all of history. These people are lost, they're in bondage, they're killing one another, they're violent. They've lost sight of me. My own people that were supposed to tell the story, they've become as religious and corrupt as anyone else. And he comes and he's gonna do a miraculous breakthrough. And he's gonna do it through this little girl from a despised situation. And unlike the little hallmark and movies that talk about well, you know what, we have a big problem, but magic happens this time of year, right? There's no Jesus, there's no power. It's not magic, it's a miracle. You ever looked up what a miracle is? A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by any natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of divine agency. In summary, God's plan, it's an unlikely plan, a very unlikely person, and from a despised place. It's not a metaphor, it's a historical fact. It's not a myth, it's an advent. You know where advent means arrival. It's the arrival of God into human history for the first time with a promise that there's another arrival and that he will be coming back. Well, I'm imagining that um, as some scholars agree that Mary perhaps was in a time of prayer, uh, usually in the evening and this angel shows up and she's terrified. So let's find out sort of what, what happens the birth is foretold and it's a supernatural birth. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. 
again, let's not romanticize this. Let's not have the music in the background. Can you imagine, I mean, like being in your bedroom and just an angel? In scripture, every time anybody meets an angel, they fall on their face and they're absolutely terrified for good reason. And this is one like elite sent from the very throne of God. And so he says, do not be afraid for you found favor with God. That's the good news. But then notice, here's the plan. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And here's the second command. One is don't be afraid. Second, you shall call his name Jesus. In Hebrew, it would be Joshua. The, the meaning, the one who saves, the one who rescues, the one who delivers. And then he gives five characteristics of whoever this son is. Now, you're 15 years old, okay? Were they more mature than your average 15-year-old today? Of course, because that's when they got married, 15, 16. And their life was very, very hard. I mean, they, they're, they're, they weren't asking for like Nintendo or, or uh, a PlayStation 9 or, you know, John Madden 34. I don't know where the, all those are at anymore. I mean, it was a very, very hard life. And the only hope is what you know is here's a young woman who's fallen in love with a guy named Joseph, who's of a royal line and her hopes and her dreams are around about a year from now or so, we're gonna get married. Right now we're betrothed. And that was a legal situation in Judaism. And so there's a legal contract between this family and that family. And for the next year, she's going to live at home, but they're considered married, except they don't sleep together and she doesn't come into his home until the time of betrothal is over and he prepares a place for them to live. And here's what we know about this child. Number one, he will be great. Number two, he'll be called the son of the most high. Number three, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Number four, he'll reign over where? The house of Jacob and Israel, how long? Forever. And his kingdom, this new rule, this upside down way of give in order to get, of forgive, of peace, of humility, of this is how God wants his people to work. This is what works best for them. This is how to have right relationship with him and with each other. This upside down kingdom, it's gonna go on forever and ever and ever. And we don't have time today, but each of those is connected to various Old Testament passages that all say one thing. Mary, you know, your, your aunt's godly and unlike a lot of women, you know, they didn't get instruction in the synagogue like the boys, but in a lot of homes, they would get it at home. And we know when we hear Mary sing and pray later, she knew God's word, she knew it well. And what she's very aware of is all five of those things say, now, the way it normally works, even when you're 15 or 16, is if you want to have a baby, man, woman, egg, sperm. Mary, this child that you're going to carry is the Messiah. Psalm 145 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then it says his greatness is unsearchable. Why? Because he is absolutely holy pure without sin because he is all knowing. He's infinite, no beginning, no end. He's eternal, he's all wise. He's omnipresent, he's omnipowerful. He sovereignly orchestrates the affairs of men while still allowing us freedom inside his great plan and sovereignty so that whosoever will and would turn to him, he would forgive. And even though the world seems to be out of control at times, his hands of sovereign grace, he orchestrates in such a way that none of his purposes can be thwarted. He is great. He will be called the son of the most high, divine. He's entering and bringing his rule and his kingdom and deliverance. And all the promises to Israel, the promises to David, the promises that God made, all of this is gonna happen in Mary. You're very unlikely, but you will be the one to carry it. Here's the question. How do you respond? How did she respond? Mary said to the angel, great question, right? How can this be since, since I'm a virgin? I mean, I, I can't have a baby. I've never been with a man. Notice the angel's explanation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Circle that phrase, overshadow you. And because for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. Uh, this word is used in the Old Testament when, remember the picture of the cloud of the Shekinah glory would come down on the tabernacle? This is this word. In the New Testament, do you remember when uh, the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus, Peter, John, and James, and it says from within side, the glory of Jesus came and then a cloud came down and covered them and said, listen to him, listen to him. This is my dearly loved son. That word cloud coming down is this word. There's no context whatsoever of some sort of sexual interaction between God and Mary. It was his presence coming upon her and impregnating the egg of a young woman with the sperm of the eternal son of God that made him be both fully God and fully human. The writer of John put it this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only one begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Goes on to say that Moses brought us the law, but Jesus brought grace and truth. And no man has seen God at any time, but he, Jesus has explained him. He came to explain the father, to live a perfect life. And then as you sung earlier, to actually die, to break the power of sin, the power of death, the power of the enemy, and to not change your life. And are you ready for this? Get ready, lean back. This might be shocking. God's goal is not that you become your best self. God's goal is not that he can improve you. God's goal is not that he'll be your little helper and, and maybe you'll, all your life will work out right. You have a great job and great relationships. No, no, no. His goal is to give you a brand new life. And just as Mary would carry that child and, and, and give care and love because Jesus, his name is gonna bring deliverance and forgiveness for all mankind. And he wants to so change us and do that kind of miracle in us that just as the spirit of God took up residence inside her, he takes up residence in us when we turn from our sin and invite him to forgive us for our sin. This is a radical, powerful, supernatural moment. And then he wants to give her a little hope, right? He wants to give her a sign. I mean, this is, cra this is crazy for anybody, but you're a 15, 16 year old poor girl that really everyone thinks you're nothing from a nowhere place. And you're gonna now be the mother of the Messiah. What's he say? Here's a little hope. You know, your, your aunt Elizabeth, she's already six months pregnant. In other words, God's intervening, he does miracles and he's doing them now. And then he gives the reason for nothing shall be impossible for God. Let that sink in. Could, could we pause for just at least a moment of application? When you think of Christmas, do you think at the very heart of everything, trees, lights, food, that way beyond it all is God speaking and saying to you personally, nothing is impossible for me and I care about you. What's the most impossible situation you're facing right now in your personal life? What is it? Your marriage, you're walking with God, you're single and it's like, man, you ever gonna bring that right person? Is it an addiction? You've tried it a bunch of times. Is it a secret? Is it one of your kids that you say, wow, they, they are so far from where I hope they'd be. We don't even talk anymore. Maybe need a job, finances. Are you, are you just overwhelmed with anxiety or have you know, a middle-aged school girl or teenage girl that because of all that's happened in COVID that struggling with anxiety and depression and struggle and the whole world is about mental health issues that you don't know how to get your arms around. Here's what I want you to get. Nothing is impossible with God. Christmas is about power, miracles, supernatural intervention. All those other frames, they're not necessarily bad. They obscure that. If you miss that, you miss not just Christmas, you miss Christ. And so notice what happens here. He says to her, for nothing will be impossible to God. And notice her response. First of all, she knows who she is. And second, she has a grasp of who God is. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord. You know what a bondservant is? 
all the different servants you could have, it's the lowest one in the household. You don't get to tell anybody what to do. You just get to receive instruction. And Mary says, I don't understand it. It's perplexing, it's confusing, it's overwhelming. But it, there's no doubt God is speaking this as an angel. And then before we go and again, make her this Madonna, hero, sweet, other, otherworldly, her, her, her mind is thinking, when I say I'm the bondservant of the Lord, have your word, be it unto me according to your word. Here's what's going through her mind. This means I'm gonna lose Joseph. He's not gonna marry one of, someone who's pregnant. I'm gonna have incredible shame because no one's gonna believe this is from God. I'm gonna be isolated. I had dreams about me and Joseph. I've given up my future. She came in simple faith and said, I don't know what you have for me, but whatever you have for me, I'm willing. By the way, she was positioned to hear God's voice and she was willing to obey it. Can I tell you something? God delights to do all kinds of miracles. He has a very, very hard time finding even his own children that are positioned to hear his voice. American Bible Society did uh, research in the last year of Christians across America and their habits of being in God's word on a regular basis. It's the lowest interaction with scripture in any time in the history of America among Christians. Uh, at Living on the Edge, we do a lot with pastors. We did a study, Barna, we had them do some research for us. We have pastors from various denominations, but all who identify as believing evangelical pastors, only 21% of them ever open the Bible except for sermon preparation. As uh, uh, Tim's message, when, when he said, you know, people have problems and you know, it sounds trite to say, you need to be in God's word. And then I heard him, heard him say, you know, you have to be. I, I will tell you that if you are not in God's word, there is no power. It's not about trying hard or wanting or it just, it doesn't work. I, I, for almost 10 years at the end of every, many of our services, I stand down here in front with the team and people would come and share their story and I would cry with them and I would pray with them. And I heard stories of pain and difficulty and separations and drug addictions and all kind of pain, we're all human. And in the most gentle way, especially the second or third time the same person would come, I would say something like this, would you help me just understand? I know here's all these issues we've talked about, we've prayed about, talk to me about your time in God's word. And what, what I came to was the people with the greatest problems that stayed unresolved and never got better and they were not in God's word at all. It was just like a one-to-one cor -one correlation. I don't understand how it works. The spirit of God takes the word of God. He digests it in your soul. He creates power and new desires. He transforms your mind and he changes you from the inside out. And it's like a car that doesn't have any gas. No word, no power. And this isn't like some guilt trip. This is like, do you want to just keep having a form of godliness, but deny its power? Mary says, be it unto me, how? According to your word. And then notice she does something. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't intellectually agreeing. She didn't go, well, I, well, that's really wonderful. I guess I'll sort of sit around here and wake up one morning and find out when I'm pregnant. Remember he gave her a sign, Elizabeth, your aunt, supernaturally. She's already six months pregnant. Look what Mary does. Now, that's right here. At this time, Mary arose, went in a hurry, where? To the hill country, to the city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She wanted to go to someone that she could talk to and she wanted to check out if that angel said, I'm gonna be pregnant and that angel said there was a miracle in my aunt, I'm gonna go find out if it's true. She's going to trust God and then confirm. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants me to do. Notice what happens. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And she cried out in a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? What do you think that did for Mary's faith? Now, wait a second. (laughs) I got this visit from an angel. It's about a four four or five day travel to get to my aunt. I've been thinking about all these issues. I walk in and she declares that I'm the mother of her Lord. Ding, 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 affirmation. And then it goes on for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped inside my womb for joy. And get this one, and blessed is she who, what'd she do? Believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. What we've gone through so far is the familiar historical record of God the Son becoming God in the flesh so that he might come to deliver me from my sin, my selfishness and all my dysfunctions, to break the power of sin in my life and to actually pay for my sin so that I and you and whoever would believe could have eternal life now that would go on forever and ever and ever, regardless of what's happening in the world or what's happening in your world. And with that, I think now what I'd like to do is maybe push back and let's, let's look at, okay, how one by one can we get rid of these frames? You know, I'm not saying don't watch the Warriors. I'm not saying it's wrong for your kid to get on Santa's lap. I hope you have some good food. I hope you watch a couple of movies. I'll tell you, they're gonna kiss at the end and it's all gonna work out. Uh, I hope you have some fun, you know, right? I, I, hope, I hope there's unity. I hope there's, but you know what? What God really wants to do, what he really wants to do, not for someone out there, for you. He wants you this season to believe that he does the impossible and he wants to do the impossible for you. And he wants you to get out of all those frames and see that picture, that reality of power, supernatural, and to follow Mary's example in such a way that not only you would experience a miracle, but you would become the kind of miracle that literally people would say over time, there's no explanation for how you've changed except for Jesus. That was the mark of the early church. I don't know where we got it was going to services and keeping rules and trying to be nice and getting God to work out your world so that it all, it's about a supernatural birth first that this young woman has. And then it's a supernatural birth spiritually that we have where we connect forever and ever and ever because of what Christ did. So let's look at the text. The message, there's a virgin birth. Isaiah 7, 14 says 700 years before it happened, it was predicted this child would be born of a virgin. The command, fear not, call him Jesus. Guess what? That's the command for us. Anybody a little concerned about the world situation? Anybody concerned about the political situation? Anybody concerned about the the neo-Marxism that's invading? Anybody concerned about the disintegration of the family, the sexual confusion, the struggles in mental health? Anybody confused about, I don't know about you, but you get past $30 trillion worth of debt, you think this thing might not be too stable, right? That's how the world was then. Fear not. And the name of Jesus, she carried the name of Jesus into her world. That's our calling. The baby's identity, clearly the Messiah. We'll probably sing about it later, right? Wonderful counselor, eternal father, mighty warrior, prince of peace. That's who he is. And he lived inside of her. And if you're a follower of Jesus and turn from your sin, and received him personally, that's who lives in you. And his agenda is not be a nice person. You know, give a couple sweatshirts and a coat and feel better about yourself. Be a little bit nicer at work. All that stuff's fine, but it misses the point. He wants to revolutionize your life from the inside out so you could be a miracle. He wants you to come like Mary and say, I don't bring anything to the table. I've got really deep issues. I'm in desperate need of you and... Whatever you want me to do, 
I, I can't, but I'm open and I'm willing. He wants you to believe what she believed, that miracles actually can happen. Again, in the whiteboard of your mind, are you ready? Right here, I've just put it right here and I'm placing it in your brain. I'd like you to pick up the dry marker. What is the most impossible situation in my life right now? Blank, would you please fill that in? Right now, fill it in. What is it? Nothing gets dynamic and so specific. Silly prayers, God make my life better. How would you ever know if he did? What are you struggling with? What needs to change? Who do you care about? What do you need? That's the message of the Christ child. It's miraculous, it's supernatural, it's an intervention. There's power, real power, power to change you, power to change the world, power to take the evil aimed at you and use it for good. Mary's response is a model to follow. I took this right from the passage. When she hears greetings, favored one, do you remember her response? It's she's perplexed. I mean, it's like, God, you're, you're speaking to me. I mean, have, you, has, have any of you like maybe been in church but reading the scriptures in the morning or at night or sometime and you're reading something and you sense God speaking to you and you go, wow, I have no idea what this means. Anybody? That, I, I've, I've had that thousands of times. By the way, that's normal. Unfortunately, my experience is when, when, when Christians open the Bible and they read something, I think God's speaking to me and it's perplexing, I don't understand it. We jump to, I, I guess I'll never be able to understand this. And I guess we need Tim or some expert. No, 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 no. This is written for us regular people. But you have to keep pressing in. She's perplexed. My wife, uh, we were talking this morning. We get up early and have coffee and, you know, nothing super spiritual, but just connect. And um, this morning we were talking about the message because she's very generous to listen many times before you ever get it as I'm trying to figure out, Lord, exactly what do you want to say and how? And uh, we were talking about being perplexed. And she goes, you know, it reminded me this morning, we have an anniversary coming up, I think next Saturday, it'll be 45 years, kind of a big one. Well, if you know our story, you talk about a miracle. And, um, and so because of, it's too long, I won't go into the background, but um, because of her situation and us trying to figure out whether it was God's will and with all the other dynamics, she just got to where, God, I've just got to know. I'm perplexed, you know, I love Chip and I'm a single mom. I've got these two little boys and I was abandoned and um, I just got to know. And she sat literally, she took things literally. She would pray in her closet and uh, she heard in her mind, you're gonna marry Chip on December 16th of this year. And she got up out of her closet, went and found a calendar and found December 16th. It was a Saturday. She, he said, Saturday, December 16th. And you know, you have to know her. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's who I, okay, I got it. Perplexing. But God spoke. I, I would love to tell the longer story, but all, all I can tell is we, we came back and um, because I was in grad school and had a job and this and that, everyone was leaving here. And I, she'd never told me by the way. And so it worked out and I was finishing my uh, orals for grad school. And the only day that was on Friday, that Saturday, and then all the people in our ministry were, were heading off. I said, well, honey, I, I'm sorry, but it, it's a little tight, but December 16th is the only day we can do it. <laughs> Are you experiencing that? Do you understand that? She's not unusual. She's not super. She's not a saint. She's a regular, desperate, single mom saying, God, is there any hope? I just came to know you after this guy left me for some other woman. I don't have any money. And some guy named Chip comes and man, he's so up and down. He's afraid to marry him. We don't know your will. I need to know I'm desperate. That's who God speaks to. Are you desperate? And then she was willing and then she trusted. That's what Mary did. Second, she was confused. How can this be? I mean, you're breaking all the laws of physics. Okay, maybe I'm only 15 or 16, but I know enough to know. Man, woman, come together, baby. 
This deal, man, God, no come together, no baby. How's this gonna work? Notice she didn't say if it could work, unlike Zacharias. Are you willing to be confused sometimes? I was a basketball coach, convinced I'd be a basketball coach all my life, playing ball around the world. And God tells me after college and graduate school, now I'm supposed to be in ministry. And I just confused. But, hey, I don't want to go to school anymore. I'm not smart enough to be a pastor. I'm not holy enough to be a pastor. Certainly you got a lot better people. And I think if I could have heard the Lord's voice in heaven, he would have said, I got lots of lot better people, but a lot of them I can't get to get in the game. You may not be all that, all, you know, all that's fired up to be, but so far you're a pretty naive, desperate son of an alcoholic that I spoke to. And when I've told you, this is what I want you to do. You stammer, you stutter, you struggle. But at the end of the day, you feel like that's the only option. And by the way, that's the Marys of the world. It's not about smarts. It's not about gifts. It's about, I'm in. Because after the confusion, and I would have never dreamed I would have never dreamed that this is the life. I got really confused about five or six years ago and I went overseas and met with our elders. I thought I'd pastor this church till I got old and more gray and die. And God made it very clear there was another plan, but what about this and how about, we always go to how. And because we don't know how, we freeze. Mary says, I don't know how, but notice next she surrenders. I do not know how, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow me. That sounds like a pretty crazy experience. But I don't have to know how. Be it unto me according to your word. God, would you do that? Would you get out of the trees and the pressure and the presence and the food and who's coming in town and the office parties and what movies you're going to watch and expectations and all that framing, 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 framing. And would you get the picture down inside your heart and mind and realize the miraculous, all-powerful, all-knowing God has intervened in human history with supernatural power and he wants to meet you and he wants to use you and he wants to change you and restore you and forgive you. And it all starts with, be it unto me. There's some of you that you're good church people. You intellectually believe in Jesus. You're not born again. Your life doesn't revolve around him. By the way, this is, this is no condemnation. You don't read the Bible very much. You're actually nicer than most people. You're probably even pretty moral. You got some issues and everyone has issues. You think God grades on the curve and you think if you come to church and it's a good feeling that somehow, some way, everything's gonna be okay. Because you, there's, you've gotten so much of the frames and everyone thinks you're great and everyone thinks you're nice. You got inner unresolved issues. You don't have supernatural peace. And here's the deal. There's a form of godliness. There's no power. There's no big explanations. People don't look at your life and say, I, there's no explanation for your life apart from the supernatural power of Jesus Christ living in you because you are kind and you forgive and you're generous and you give your life away and your focus and your priorities are so different from the Silicon Valley and the get, 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 me, 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 grow, grow, grow. I will, I will, I will. And I, all I want to say is, I ask God to let me with you together. Let's get rid of the frames so that some of you would walk in on this day in this room and you would say to the Lord's gracious gift, I would like the Holy Spirit to live in me. And like Mary, I, I confess, I fall short. I believe that you died on the cross in my place and rose from the dead. And Jesus, you said that you stand at the door of my heart and knock. And if any man, any woman would open the door, you said you would come into me and forgive me and live with me forever. And if you have never done that, he brought you in this room to receive him. And it will not be easy, but it will be wonderful and it'll be eternal. And for others of us, we've just... We've been around so long, we've, we've made some big surrenders, but all of our stories are in the rearview mirror. You haven't taken any risks lately. You haven't stepped out a lot lately. Um, 
Personal, personal confession, I, I speak to lots of large groups and pastors and you know, I know the Bible pretty well after all these years. And, but I recognize in terms of sitting down with someone and actually sharing the gospel in a very clear personal way, I just, as I was studying this and just some other things in my life, I thought, Lord, it's easy to talk to a big group of people. That's not very threatening. And uh, my physical therapist, who I began to build a relationship with, I just, I said, Lord, would you cause him to ask me a question that I could really tell him about Jesus? And then my, my very last appointment, I said, Lord, would you, would you allow me to tell him the real story of the gospel? And the same thing happened on a plane just about six days ago. And I just, I literally, I got my pen out and I, and here's what I said that I have not been doing enough of. I just turned to him and said, do you have three minutes to see a little picture that changed the entire course of my life? And both of them said, yes. And then I drew a little picture of like a, a, a cliff and a cliff and this big chasm. And I said, the chasm sin, man's on this side, God's on this side. And no matter what we do is that we can't, we can't get there on our own. And I made a picture of the cross and I just went through simply the gospel. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. What we get for our sin is death, but God's grace. While we're yet sinners, Christ died in our place and you must receive him personally because when you do, he gives you the power to become a child of God. And then I put the pen in his hand and I drew the bridge and I had a little stick man and I put the pen and I said, where are you? Are you on this side? You're on this side or you're a little somewhere on that bridge? And both of them said this. And I said, would you like to be on that side? Yes. And I like to say that the guy prayed on the plane. I said, he goes, I said, have you ever heard this before? America, never. He said, I go to church some. That he told me what the church was, it's a good church. He said, it makes me feel good. But what you just shared, I, I've never heard that. He said, I have a lot to think about. I said, here, God put us on this plane and you got my rebuilt knee because he loves you. <laughs> do, do, you do, do, do you kind of get the whole deal is this? He actually, God really is real. It's not a story. It's not a myth. It's not a metaphor. He's real and he loves us. And so the final thing she does is she rejoices and she sings this amazing song about God's faithfulness and how she'll be remembered. And as we close, I'd like you to go to the last page and, and I just want you to answer these questions as honestly from your heart as you possibly could. Because right now, some of you are in that, that battle, right? Oh my, I, I can feel pulled by God. I think this is true. Oh, what would my husband think? What would my friends think? What about this? What about that? I, oh gosh, I probably, right? That's okay. The enemy doesn't let go easily. But you, you matter. And you keep living life the way you're living life, you're gonna get about the same results you're currently getting. Is it scary? Of course. Losing control, we're control freaks, all of us. And we're all from dysfunctional families, all the way back to Adam and Eve. But let me ask you, what did you learn about God's sovereignty in threatening global affairs that frees you from fear? The wars, the economy, the jobs, the downsizing, all the rest. A sovereign God has a plan for you and for the world. Now, don't get me wrong. And he's looking for Mary's to bring about his purposes. What did you learn about God's faithfulness to his promises to give you hope? I mean, people waited for a long time. Messiah gonna come, do this, do that. Yeah, sure, after 400 years, a lot of people said, no way. He fulfilled all 316 Old Testament promises about his first coming. Can I, can I just give you a stern warn, warning? Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? He will fulfill all of his promises. He always does. And a new reality, there won't be any frames about anything. And he wants you to be with him. Third, what did you learn from Mary? You know, if you just went through and said, okay, it's okay to be perplexed. It's okay to be confused. And in the midst of it all, you don't understand, surrender. And finally, I, I'd never seen this before, but I, just the parallels that, that quiet, it, her fears quiets mine. God spoke to her, God spoke to 
to us. The Holy Spirit dwelt in her. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. She was to bring salvation to the world. We're to bring salvation to the world. That's why this big event coming up is so important. That's why, you know, one of my neighbors that I've been talking to is asking to meet and just have coffee and talk. And then surrender and obedience unleashes God's miraculous power, peace, and joy. And joy isn't from getting all the toys, going public, finally finding the right person. Joy is the byproduct of embracing God's purpose for your life. Lord, you, uh, you love every person in this room. You love every person that is watching or will ever watch this. And you're looking for Mary's. Lord, I'm sure there's a lot of perplexed, confused people longing for you. Lord, would you take right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, remove all the frames around, quote, Christmas. And Lord, might me see it, it is power, grace, supernatural, intervention, rescue, forgiveness, and new life. And if you're here and are not absolutely sure that you have a personal, eternal relationship with Jesus right now in your chair, bow your head and in your own words, cry out to God, Lord, I need you. I am not perfect. <laughs> I've certainly done things wrong. The Bible calls that sin. You say the wages of the cost of sin is separation. And so right now you've said that you've died in my place for my sin. I believe that. You said, as many as receive him, Christ, you give the power to become children of God. And so I believe, would you come into my life right now? And for many of us, maybe it's just take a moment and put your palms up. And you know what your issues are. My lands, we've all got so many. And with our palms open, say, Lord, I'm worn out trying to work all this stuff in me and others and stuff I can't control. I surrender to whatever you want to do. And I'm asking, would you do the impossible? Would you do a miracle? Would Do it in me, do it through me, do it for some people I love. Lord, do a miracle. Would you give me a little sign the way that you gave Mary about Elizabeth? I don't wanna enjoy the Christmas story I want to be connected deeply to you, Lord Jesus, the Christ. And the all-knowing, all-wise, loving God, King of the universe is hearing each one of us right now. And he will fulfill every heart that is open and submissive to him. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.